Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. Fascinating topic. It is. Yeah, with, it is. With um, obviously most of your mail, uh, well, actually all of your mail um, uh, donations that have come in, mm-hmm. they've obviously come in from some elder um, yeah. players. Um, unfortunately, obviously in this case, Heather was only 28 years of age, which yeah. is just amazing that that could happen to someone so young. Mm-hmm. But from a study point of view, having somebody who has donated their brain at the age of 28, does that give you even more insight into what needs to change? Oh, absolutely. And like you said, it's it's a big difference, isn't it? I mean, it's such a, a loss of a life at 28 year, years old. It's so sad, but um, very important in terms of a research perspective. Um, and also that link, I suppose, if we're thinking about most of these deaths are sort of by suicide. And so looking at that link between concussion and mental health and CTE and mental health, obviously. Mm. Um, And we know there is a relationship, but again, it's, it's getting enough um, resources into researching exactly why that's related and why that happens. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined by uh, Malcolm and uh, Millie was fantastic last week, uh, just giving us a bit more insight into the CTE and and. Um, Heather's, uh, you know, unfortunate death is sort of also going to help um, other people uh, going forward. It's educational, yeah. and I think we've all got a responsibility in that regard. And you try and get hold of experts in the field and keep, you know, educating ourselves and hopefully Absolutely. our listeners. So I mean, yeah, we found it fascinating that yeah. obviously they're trying some different things, uh, you know, and and exploring other avenues that that this may not be something that can be diagnosed after death and they're, they're working bloody hard yeah. from what I've seen uh, behind the scenes uh, on trying to find something to uh, help players out now, here and now. 
things are happening every day. Absolutely. Around the grounds. All right, today, mate, we're going to have a look at the fourth test. Um, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the AFL trade talk. Uh, we're going to have Mary Cavey on to talk about the World Cup. Yep. Uh, we're also going to have Craig Martin on to talk about the British Open Golf uh, and some things that are happening around golf in South Australia. So we've got a pretty big episode yep. ahead, so let's get into it with the AFL Round 18. Uh, Sydney just beating the Bulldogs. Yeah, there were some cliffhanger finishes. Western Bulldogs should have won that game. They certainly had enough of the ball and just butchered it, butchered it inside 50 and that. And then... Uh, the following night, the comeback from nowhere where Brisbane just played dumb footy in the last 10 minutes or so. Yep. Where it was okay to try and play, let's get men behind the ball and be defensive. But when Brisbane did get hold of the ball, they didn't slow it down enough. So it was a, it was a bit of both. That, it that was catch 22, yeah. Where's the coaching? Where's our set play where we're in this situation, where we're in that situation? And for me, it smacked a bit of just panic and mm-hmm. not really sure what we do here. and. I think that's probably where Collingwood have been so good in training some of those yeah. scenarios, and you can certainly see that if you uh, you do train those scenarios, they're reaping the rewards for it now. Some other teams haven't quite uh, done that, or that maybe they do do it, but there wasn't so much a game awareness. But you've got a guy standing up on the sidelines, yeah, well, holding exactly up a, how long. I would a have placard, thought, exactly right. And Nord, Nord in terms of under, ba- under Bassett, our last couple of minutes, if where where we were, was research, and then the players knew exactly where the ball was meant to go every yep. kick. Where for mine, Brisbane last week, it was just hurry, curry, and not sure what's going on. So yeah, it, that was a big cross mark against Chris Fagan and Brisbane personally yep. last week. When you're just watching as a neutral, not really yep. minding either way. Had tip Brisbane, but yep. that didn't really care. Um, and just thinking, yeah, it was just poor. So, well, I mean, with yeah. four minutes to go, you really would oh, think that they'd lock, lock it down. And yeah. to Melbourne's credit, they uh, they did the job. But, yeah, Sydney, uh, you know, really showed some grit against the Bulldogs there to, to get up by a couple of points as yeah. well. So two very, very good matches to start round uh, 18. And um, then we head uh, over to the MCG and Collingwood um, did, did what the they needed to do against yep. Fremantle again. Jekyll and Hyde of Fremantle, you're not sure who's going to turn up. We sort of now know who's going to turn up for Collingwood and they continually do it time and time again and richly deserve top spot at the moment. And as you said, in terms of their set plays, one I still think the, the Essendon game last year where Essendon Cox misses, hits the post, they've got under 30 seconds and their kickoff was so precise. Yes. Okay, it had to absolutely nail it. They knew exactly what they were doing to get it in Elliot's hands to kick the goal after the siren. So you know, I, I think the big classic. Tick. I think the classic example from a uh, an Adelaide or a South Australian point of view is when Collingwood played the Crows here in South Australia at at uh, Adelaide Oval, in the still side bottom, would have loved to have kicked the goal, but it almost he was happy with the point, so that way the the ball didn't end up back in the centre of the ground where the Crows may have had a, an easier chance of scoring a goal. So. Yeah, some very high IQ football being played at the moment. Yeah, and Colin, and isn't that a faux pas, Collingwood being on top in that regard? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
The Suns defeating St Kilda. Now, this was the response that we sort of thought was going to happen after Stuart G. Only a little bit in that. I actually I, Suns think, are going uh, right. Yeah, I think Gold Coast were the logical favourite, whether Jew was coach or not up there. I think they were going to win that win. Um, you know, St Kilda, are, St Kilda have lost four of their last five, and their only win was against West Coast by eight points. So they're not exactly running on Flying. full cylinders. Yep, absolutely. So I, I, I thought Gold Coast was a pretty good tip anyway. Yep. Uh, Carlton defeating Port Adelaide. I mean, Port resting seven or yeah. eight players or, you know, managing. Uh, it was always going to be a bit of a tough ask. I admit I went for Carlton in that way in the end because of that. But, yeah, they were just really... Um, Run off their feet almost, which is a little bit of a concern. I think it does show that they do rely still a lot on Butters in that way and he's the, he's the spark with Rosie. Mm-hmm. And and then Horn France is not there. So they only had one third of their Batman, yep. Robin, and Accomplice Act. Yes, and, and did fall away. Look, I'm a massive Tom Jonas fan. We all know we're Nord people, yep. but his body's gone. Yep, I'm sorry. He just not quite up to no, the, the standard, which is not. fair enough. I mean, every player doesn't matter when you start and when you finish. You're you're always told the same thing that you know. You're not able to play because your body is failing. You, you you might, in your mind, be ready to still play, but if the body's starting to fail you, then then we've got some problems, haven't we? And I'm sorry when Nord played Port at Nord, and I actually yeah, you went, made mention yeah steps quicker than Tom. I thought, geez, that is a worry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Geelong defeating Essendon down at Kardinia Park, and it was interesting where Geelong had their guy players behind the ball owning the middle corridor, forcing Essendon out wide. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting because it was certainly nothing Adelaide attempted the week before. So a big tick to Chris Scott yep. and a big cross to Matthew Nix in that way. Yep. And, and, yeah, Geelong is way too good. Okay, it was at Cadinia Park at, yep. and all that. But they'd done their... Well, they've done their homework, and, but you expect that from a premiership side, don't you? A win for the coaching box, Yep. well and truly. Yep. Uh, and Adelaide being defeated by the uh, GWS Giants. GWS just seemed to have the wood on them. Very similar to round one, came from behind. You know, I thought here, and when Green, Tom Green was out, Callan had pulled out, thought, geez, Adelaide should win here. Um, but, yeah, to, to fall away from that situation was pretty disappointing. Yes, they probably didn't get the rub of the green with umpiring, but you're three goals up at three-quarter time at home. Yep. And in Sloan's two fiftieth, you thought they would have hung on. That that's pretty average. That is pretty average. I agree. Uh, frustrating, I think, from a lot of Crows' point of view. But we'll talk about this after we finish uh, finish these uh, remaining games of where Adelaide and Port Adelaide are really at. But um, Hawthorne defeating North Melbourne. Yeah, so North Melbourne. So they won their first two and have now lost every game since. Um, yeah, look, North Melbourne and West Coast. They could play nil or draw in terms. They're both really poor. Mm-hmm. Pretty disappointing. And Richmond, obviously, as yeah. I said, defeating so West Coast up. Eagles. Um, you know, Richmond are going along all right. They they might just sneak in. That's the scary part about all of this is that Harwick's departed. Yeah, they, it, they haven't had the greatest year, and yet they're still sort of sniffing around that uh, that top eight, aren't they? It probably shows that maybe that you know you could still argue that eight's to eight rewards mediocrity. You could say I think Carlton are the ones who are coming more. They've won their last four 
by over 50 points. Yep. I think they're the ones. Uh, while you're talking about that, um, there is a little bit of talk, and we've we've talked about it on our podcast here a few times uh, in some of our really early podcasts about the wild card. It seems to have reared its ugly head yeah, again, um, yeah. at, but it's starting to gain a bit of momentum where it, in some pundits are saying, oh, you're, you're rewarding mediocrity, and then other pundits are saying, well, no, what it is is creating a little bit more excitement. I mean, where, where do you stand on it? That's that's really what it gets down to. I think it's still rewarding mediocrity. As we know, the AFL, though, they want to be front and centre of publicity in the paper 366 days of the year. Don't, they want the leap year included. Yep. Um, so would it get interest on that spare weekend? Yes, it would, but... Should they actually give a weekend to other other states and other competitions? Yeah, you can argue on that. I, th- I think what it gets down yeah. to is it's a business. It's not yeah. not a sport. It's a exactly. business. It's a multi billion dollar business, and they're trying to maximise their content, uh, whether it be um, through adding an additional round or an additional finals game. game. Additional um, finals game, of which, let's be honest, they believe that'll add to their value and add to their potential bidding dollar for the next contract. So. Yeah. So, so where do clubs stand on this? I mean, you know, one club's going to go. We want the momentum going into finals as much as possible. We don't want a week off. We want to continue playing. And then others would go. I'd love a week off just to get them fresh. I think the AFL will make their own decision on that one. Fair call. All right, we go back to Adelaide and Port Adelaide. Where where are they at at the moment? I mean, obviously Port are sitting second on the table, but they're not convincing me completely. They are convincing me that they are around the mark. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not not. Uh, not chopping them down by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do worry that that they are going to get um, a team's going to get a hold of them, and probably Collingwood's the one that I think is going to get a hold of them. And if they do make it to another grand final, uh, Collingwood are going to do what Geelong did. I mean, that's my worry from a Port point of view. Maybe, but then you don't win premierships in August. Yeah, you know, I, I I don't really think. You know, I, I'm not I'm not too. Too fussed about their loss on the weekend no, to Carlton. It, they've won thirteen in a row, yeah. and, and they've rested or, or managed seven players. I totally get that, but does that start to play around a little bit with the psyche? And you did mention earlier on that they are relying on too few to do too much. And if teams get a hold of them and shut those players down, is that going to be an issue? Maybe, but then they might get with those players freshened up, ready for September. If it's a dry ground in September. Scary, yes, I totally but, agree. You know, and and they still should finish one or two with Brisbane losing mm-hmm. last week, so it doesn't really hurt them that much. They finish one or two, dry grounds, you get through to the big dance. You're, Anything you're can in happen. It. You're in it. Now Adelaide, we talk about Adelaide. We've uh, we've we've talked about it ourselves uh, before the podcast, and and obviously over the weekend. I think Adelaide are about where they should be. Really, you know, yeah. being. Um, impartial, a little bit impartial, in that I think that their improvement has been fantastic. I believe that the supporters should have um, expectations. I totally understand that part of it. But realistically, they're about where they should be right yeah, now. I didn't have Adelaide making the eight, yep. and, and they're not going to make the eight now. I still think their weaknesses in Ruck, mm-hmm. that extra key defender, Yep. A definitely lack a big body midfielder. There's three huge areas of concern for mine. Adelaide, you know, Ruck's been a weakness since 2017. Some Adelaide supporters still carrying on, like Riley O'Brien's. Fantastic. Well, he he's, gave, a good, he, he's a good he, on. He tries hard. He gives you great effort, and that's all you can ask of a player. But you need to have somebody that's got a bit of X factor about them. Now, Ruckman aren't growing on trees. That's the problem. No, no. And Th- look, this is the problem. 
the decision of Don Pike to overrule the recruiting committee and not get Tim English hurts you for the next decade. Yep. Um, so that's where people don't really get decisions like that are so vital. And all right, yeah, so I can't see Adelaide unless Thilthorpe suddenly improves in the ruck. But for mine, he's a real worry. I don't think he likes the body contact side of it, mm-hmm. which you've got to embrace as a ruckman and, mm-hmm. and love it. Just can't. I can't see Adelaide improving enough with those weaknesses in their list to, yep. to take the next step to really compete. Okay, so Port Adelaide are in the same boat, really, with their ruck situation. I mean, they've been able to cobble together a, oh, a like, ruck setup. Lysette and Finlayson's, I think, is well in front of Adelaide's. Yep, absolutely. Lysette at, Lysette at his best fit, Yep, but he's carrying injuries at the moment. Yep. Lysette, and then Dixon comes in to pinch hit, yep. and Dixon does that well. Mm-hmm. So I think if those three are up and going, but... Is injury concerns yep. against two of the three. Okay, so then Adelaide, we flip it back to Adelaide yep. and go, all right, we've got Riley O'Brien, Strawn, and and Thilthorpe. I mean... I'd have a look at Strawn. Yep. I, I can't see the point. Of, he's virtually a very well-paid SNFL player. Yep. For goodness sake, have a look at him. Absolutely. Be honest. O'Brien isn't up to it. Have, have a look at someone else. Have okay. a look at him. So... So who, who, in your opinion, should Adelaide be looking at as far as a ruck replacement if Riley O'Brien is a good, honest battler, does his job each week, gives you a great heart, but doesn't have the X factor? Who uh, who should they go after to get their X factor? I do wonder if Riley, if, uh, Bro, if Brody Grundy now comes into the equation. I'm going to talk about that one a little bit later, so let's yeah. hold fire on that one. You talked about Backman. Um, obviously, keeping Duda, and we mentioned this a little bit last week, keeping Duda is really, really important. I think, I think it is now. more than they thought they yep. were going to. And you add Redmond to that, yeah. um, their back line starts to look a lot better. But they let that key back. Like, yep. Butts is, probably hasn't progressed as much as they thought. I think injuries have played their part there, mm-hmm. getting concussed. Yep. Hamill probably didn't progress in that way as well, so... Murray's been the one who's yep. been very good, yep. but I think they lack that key backman still. I think they can get still caught up by a gorilla. And then you talked about a big body midfield. I mean, again, a bit like Ruckman, a little class is hard to come by. You've got it to de- you've got to develop your own. Is there anyone within the list that might be able to develop, or is there someone that they could pinch for a, for, for next to nothing? Not really sure whether Nank- where Nankervis, Dowling come in the equation whether they're going to be big enough or not. I like Dowling from having watched him play for North 18s last year and yep. that. I think he's got a bit to offer. But, mm-hmm. again, that's probably long-term project. And it, Taylor getting injured was the other one, and I think they were, had, were going to look at mm-hmm. and hasn't come through. I haven't quite worked out. Matty Crouch, very well-paid SNFL player. Yep. You know, I think why not have put him back in the middle? and put Laird back to half-back. Yes, you can't play Laird and Crouch together. They lack pace. Mm-hmm. Not a leap by disposal. I would have but put they Laird do back get to half-back. Yeah. So, anyway. So, uh, just going back to Redmond very, very quickly, uh, could the Crows look to develop him a bit like Dawson? You I know, think they picked him up from Sydney off of a half-back flank. Redmond's in the same boat. Um, it, two elite it, users of the ball. It's definitely a potential. Yeah. potential there. So then they really still need to look for a big body backman anyway. Yeah. Fair yeah. cool. Fair cool. Yep. All right. So we move on to round 19. We've got Essendon v. the Bulldogs. Gee, that's a real toss of the coin job. Big game for both. Yep. Um, well, they all 
for the next four or five yeah. weeks. They're all big games for yeah. a lot of a lot of teams. There's not too many teams getting too much of a free ride, are they? Is that Marvel? That is it, Marvel. Marvel. Yeah, Marvel Stadium. I'll go Essendon. Um, but, yeah, that is real toss of the coin. Fair call. Uh, I expect Essendon to be a little bit dirty after last week. I expect the Bulldogs to be a bit dirty, but I don't know. I just think there's something about Essendon that is just showing that little bit more class when it needs to be with a lot of players that are performing above where expected. Toss Toss the coin. He's tossed the coin. Fair enough. Richmond v. the Hawks at the MCG. Richmond. If it was at Marvel, (laughs) we might might change it. Fair call. Um, Carlton v. West Coast. Carlton. Carlton. Brisbane v. Geelong at the Gabba. Since it's at the Gabba, they've won 40 out of their last 44, I think it is. So I'll go Brisbane. I think you have to back Brisbane at the moment. But uh, we mentioned uh, three or four weeks ago that Geelong are quietly coming, but not setting the world on fire yeah. doing it. I mean, yeah, obviously um, beating up on Essendon last week was huge. But yeah, yeah, I think they're around the mark. But yeah, I think Brisbane at home. It's a big game. Frio v. the Swans. Ooh. Optus Stadium. I've almost run out of patience for Fremantle. I might go Sydney. Sydney need the well, they're basically the wrecking ball at the yeah. moment. They can be the wrecking ball for a yeah. lot of teams at the moment. I think Sydney uh, might do the job over Frio over in Perth. So, all right, big one, Collingwood v Port Adelaide. Yeah, here obviously. Yes, um, we'd like to see the Port side on who who comes up and all that side of things, but just reckon. Collingwood a bit more settled at the moment. You've almost got to go the pies, I reckon. Butters is a big one for me. Yeah. Uh, still under a little bit of an injury cloud. Um, do Port look to take the bigger picture or do they roll out and um, and bring all their players back in and away they go? I think you're right. Collingwood are very settled. Top of the table for a reason, really. Yeah. Huge game. It's not sitting on the fence in terms of, I think I'll probably end up tipping Collingwood, but I do want to see the Port side. Yep. Fair call. And, yep, I think Collingwood as well, but only just. I think it's going to be a great game. And like you, I want to see the teams. Yeah. And, again, we're recording a little bit yeah. earlier than usual. Yep. All right, uh, GWS v. The Suns at Marnica. Marnica. I'll go GWS. Yeah, I think GWS yeah. as well. I think the Suns are going to give them a, uh, yeah, a fairly good yeah. run, but I reckon um, I reckon the GWS Giants are up and about at the moment, and they're on a bit of a streak yeah, as well. Are. So th- they want to play finals and really – they're good enough to do it, and, yeah, and Adam Kingley's done a great job. And we mentioned this, I think, at around at about round twelve. I, I was impressed with how the Giants were just hanging in a lot of games and and doing what they needed to do. So, all right, another big game: Melbourne v the Adelaide Crows at the MCG. So Melbourne. the Crows get another game at the MCG. It's not going to matter. No, Melbourne. Gorn Grundy combination. Whether Grundy Grundy didn't get picked last week, yeah. So, um, I just think I think Gorn might. Feast, feast, have a. He might dine out, I think. Does that mean Gorn plays up forward and then Grundy in the ruck to bring him back? Horses for courses, considering Adelaide do struggle with a little bit of tall timber down back? Maybe, but I th- I think they may just go right, bugger it. That worked last week with Gorn. Gorn was best on ground. He is the best ruckman in the mm-hmm. comp. Let him go and de- let him destroy O'Brien. They, uh, we mentioned last week about their ability to score. Well, that. Combination being changed around a little bit seemed to allow them to score a lot better. Yeah, Hibbert back in and kicked a couple when it counted. Started really well, but missed a couple and mm-hmm. then finished well. So yep. interesting. Yeah. And to finish us off, mate, St Kilda v North Melbourne. Well, you've got to go St Kilda, but geez, 
You just have to tip St Kilda. You can't tip North Melbourne or West Coast. It's almost... Obviously, uh, Clarkson's back in the club rooms. He's not necessarily no, coaching not as yet. such, but do they sort of get a little bit of an uplift from him coming back into the building? Maybe, maybe not. I think it's hard, and St Kilda definitely need to win, but... If they lose to North Melbourne, then there's yeah, no they're way yeah. they're, they're going to be gone. playing finals. Yep. So we can put a, yep. a ruler through that. All right, mate, we'll leave the AFL where it is and uh, we'll check back in next week. All right, we move on to the SNFL round 13. West Adelaide uh, just going down to Central Districts. Yeah, in front at three-quarter time, but the Dogs did run over them and keeps them well and truly in touch. A little bit of a surprise of the round here um, with Adelaide uh, defeating uh, Glenelg. Yeah, look, I think Adelaide, if they're reasonably close to full strength, they're going to get, they're going to trouble all sides. So I'm not really surprised at that. Um, the old thing, they kicked a couple straight, and the Bays missed a few. Yeah, you know, as we know, it's a fine line between pleasure and pain. It is indeed, and uh, once again, uh, good goal kicking wins your games. Yeah. Bad goal kicking costs your games. Yes. So. Very interesting there. Port Adelaide uh, finally getting over the Roosters. I think the first time for for a, for a couple of games. So. Yeah. Um, Port Adelaide are pretty impressive, not only from the point of view that they had seven out in their AFL side. They've they've actually put a side together that was very very competitive uh, against North Adelaide, who and I rate won. I still rate yeah. pre- pretty highly, uh, and won. So is it a case of that North didn't have too much time to do their homework because all these players excellent? Oh, I, I don't think so. I just think pretty disappointing by the Roosters in that way and. Yeah, huge result by Port, and Port should now play finals. Play finals, yeah. So both Adelaide and Port Adelaide yeah. are going to be playing in the SNFL finals. Uh, Woodville West Torrens defeating Norwood. Norwood with them all the way, and then um, Jimmy Rowe kicks an absolute uh, howler, and um, they go on with it from there. Rowe was the match winner. He was the class player on the ground. I've got to be honest, that's from a Norwood perspective, it was a bloody average game of football. Yep. It was a game of two sides who are both struggling. Yep. Fair call, cool. and we sort of pumped Woodville West Torrens up at the beginning yeah. of the year, looking at them going, that they should be all right, and, and Dan Menzel's obviously retired from uh, SNFL footy during the week. So, um, yeah, very, very interesting that uh, it was an ordinary game from your point of view. It was terrible. Um, yeah, lots of errors by both sides, obviously, and sitting up in the grandstand, and I actually just heard Riley Knight in the last quarter, because the last quarter of the first 10 minutes was just both sides, it was like neither side wanted to kick a goal. <laughs> Uh, Stockdale missed out. from five yards out for Nord, which would have put us a goal up. Yep. Um, he said, next goal wins. And I turned to him and went, geez. You, you might be right. You might, yeah, he and said it mucking around. Five minutes into the yeah, first, into the last quarter. And uh, Sturt defeating uh, South Adelaide. Yeah, they were impressive on Sunday. I did go to that game as well. Um, and the game was over at three-quarter time. And it was going to be one or the other. Win by 15 or win by five. Take the foot off the pedal and win by five. Yep. And, it was the latter. Sturt struggled a little bit over the last few weeks, but seemed to have regained a little bit of mojo, and maybe they just went through a little bit of a period of, of adjustments, some heavy grounds in the last couple of weeks. It was a little bit better on the weekend. Oh, and Unley was a bit weird. It was three-quarters of the ground was in pretty reasonable nick, but it was about a quarter of it was still mud bogs, so a player would be running flat <laughs> out, get to that spot, and do a 360 ass overhead. And yep. Yeah, so it was a bit... Amusing at times as well, where people just couldn't stand up in that spot. So, yeah. Absolutely funny. All right, we move on to round 14. Glenelg v West Adelaide. I'll go the Bays. Roosters v Norwood. Uh, at, at Prospect. At uh, the Wembley of the North. Can't tip Norwood after last week. Hopefully, Matty Panos will be back. But uh, 
Yeah, it's a bit scary of life without Panos, actually. Um, I'll go the Roosters. Fair call. Uh, prospect, they're yeah. always going to be tough to beat. Centrals v South Adelaide. At the Ponderosa. At the Ponderosa, Yeah, yes. I'll, go, I'll go the Dogs. Port Adelaide v Sturt. Good game. Yeah, I'll go Sturt. Yeah, at Albert and Oval. At Albert, yeah, I'd like, again, I, I want to see the Port side, yep. how many they get back. Yep. Um, you can't not tip Sturt at the moment. They, uh, as long as well as Glenelg, are the form yeah. sides. Yeah, they've... They've had their hiccups along the way uh, for a couple of weeks in a, in a row. Um, but, yeah, Sturt for me as well. And Adelaide v Woodville West Torrens. This, this could get a little bit messy. Yeah, I'll go Adelaide. Um, I will say back to Sturt. McFadden, very good. Son of Brian, past Shield player for Tasmania and Bradman medalist. Mm-hmm. And he has bought a copy of my book, so there, I better give him a mention. Absolutely. Um, he was impressive. Hone is quick for Sturt, and I've... I was sitting there thinking, geez, I'd wish you were a Red Lake. Um, yep. So, yeah, there was a couple of Sturt, Reschke back from, up from the reserves. Didn't do much, but still gave him a bit of a focal. And they were impressive, Sturt. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the latter, Glenelg sitting top, Sturt sitting second only by percentage. Uh, Adelaide sitting third, Port Adelaide sitting fourth. North Adelaide have scraped into the five, and Central's just on the borderline of the five as well. Can't make a case for Woodville West Torrens at the moment, who are a game behind Central's, uh, and South Adelaide are two games behind fifth spot as well. Uh, season basically over now yeah. for West Adelaide and Norwood, yep. which is quite sad, but... Um, you know, now playing for Pride, let's hope that they can start putting in some pl- um, implementation, yeah. some plans for um, the follow-up year next year. You can only hope. Before we go on break, Wimbledon. What a fantastic Wimbledon tournament that we had this year. Are we seeing a, a bit of a changing of era? Wimbledon has a new king. Yeah, I hope so because, look, let's be honest, it got a bit, you know, Federer and Nadal drop off and so it was just Djokovic, seemingly. There was... You know, Chester Paz and a couple of others had fallen away a bit. Yep. And Alcaraz was seeded one and came through, and it was a fantastic final. It ebbed and well, flowed. Amazing that the number one seeded only really ever played four matches on, well, yeah. four tournaments on grass leading up to, um, I mean, I'm sure he's played tournaments yeah, um, in mean. his juniors, but four tournaments leading yeah. into to Wimbledon on grass, uh, ranked number one seed, and we we were salivating that this could be the final. We didn't quite get it at uh, Roland Garris. Yeah. It was a semi-final. Uh, Alcaraz actually cramped up in that, so we didn't get to see them going toe to toe. And yet at Wimbledon, it was magnificent tennis. Oh, it was fantastic, and you know, I, I think the majority of us, as neutrals, were barracking for Alcaraz. Uh, Alcaraz, <laughs> you're right. So, I suddenly said him somewhere there. Um, <laughs> Fopa, coming through, and yeah, so it was a great result. Uh, Gripping, (coughs) gripping final, gripping final. um, You know, Alcaraz losing the first set six one, and you're like, all right, um, you know, an up and coming player. He's won the U.S. Open, so he's been there. He sort of does that, and Djokovic jumps out the blocks and goes back, bang, 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 Um, and. For Alcaraz to recover the way that he did uh, was testament to his uh, ability to hang into games and the shots and the tr- and the the way that these guys were trading blows was, unbel- oh, it was unbelievable, it was yeah, unbelievable. No, it was vintage Wimbledon, you know. It was the Connors McEnroe, the you know Borg McEnroe, whatever. It was that sort of stuff, and it was it was awesome. 
one game, I think it was in the fourth set. It was probably about 2.33 in the morning uh, here in Australia. Uh, went goes for 26 minutes. Um, neither player wanting to give an edge, but uh, Alcaraz ends up getting the break, and that was def- decisive. Yeah, no, awesome, great result in the end. And um, fascinating in the female side of things a- as well. Absolutely. Uh, Von Drusova. Yes, I, uh, well played. <laughs> thank you. Uh, beats uh, Jabbar at 6-4, um, Again, wide open field. First unseeded player. for. Th- this is what I was leading yeah. to. Something around yeah. that, um, obviously in the men's side of it, um, uh, Goran Ivanisevic did it against Patrick Rafter. Um, but as far as the women's go, very open uh, field. Anybody looked like they were going to win it at any stage. Um, but uh, Von Drusova, obviously, on this occasion, uh, coming up with the goods with a uh, 6-4, 6-4 victory. Oh, it was. It was incredible to come through. Yep. So obviously Von Drusova winning that one in straight sets and uh, we have two new Wimbledon champions, which I think is great for the sport. Yeah. No, awesome. Awesome. All right, mate, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk, we'll talk cricket and we'll talk to our special guests. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. All right, mate, we uh, we continue on with Around the Grounds. Uh, cricket, uh, third test, England got a hold of Australia. Now we move on to the fourth test. Um, what, are, what are we expecting here? Um, you know, Australia trying to obviously retain the Ashes, Um Probably got a little bit blown out of the water in that last test with a few decisions that, you know, oh, from a this coaching short, point of view. Short bowling mm-hmm. crap. If they continue with that, we a TV at Reeds Road could be in distinct distinct danger. I, uh, yeah. I turned it off last test because I was just so angry at this mm-hmm. stupidity of removing bold and, bold and caught behind, uh, bold and LBW out of the equation. Yep. Seven for 140. If we bowl well, then they're all out for 180. Yep. Australia, we, Australia won the Ashes. We did, talk about, <laughs> we did talk about it last week. Moving on to the fourth test. Yep. Uh, we've just uh, received notice um, uh, just a couple of hours before the start of the uh, fourth test that Australia are not going to go in with a, a recognised spinner. Well, it smacks of that Cummins hasn't got Mur- uh, the confidence of Murphy. And let's do re- let's remember, too, Murphy's success in India was playing under Smith's captaincy, so it's a little bit different there. And it did smack, well, hang on, we picked him. Why don't, surely he's got a bowl on the last day, and he didn't. So mm-hmm. there's no point in playing him mm-hmm. in, in that way. So Australia have gone the long batting. A uh, couple I, of all-rounders ideas. in there. Yeah, so and Kerry bats eight, so he's a pretty good number eight. Yep. Um, yeah, wait and see. Look, I hope Green bowls more this Test match. And they say, we want it up. Yep. Only the short ball as the variation, not yes. the stock ball crap. Yep. <clears throat> Did we get a bit sucked into what England were doing um, to Australia in that second innings with some of those short balls? Or was it, it almost it was looked bizarre. like it was a preconceived idea that this is how we're going to play and get them out? It was just dumb. And I'm sorry, what is McDonald doing there in that way? As a coach, honestly... It is the tactic... Uh, Ridiculous. Is, is the tactic based around that they are playing Baz ball and they're going to swipe and have a crack at anything and it'll go up in the air and we'll catch them out? I mean, the first ball after lunch, so we've got Wokes out 
the ball before, so Stark's bowling would actually set up for a bouncer. He yep. was back almost in a baseball stance, and I'm going, pitch the freaking thing up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Uh, I remember sitting there doing the same thing. Um, do we see England making too many changes for this test? No, it's just Anderson for Robinson yep. for England. Yep. Um, it's at Anderson's home ground. Look. Now, Australia, we did hear this stat a little bit earlier, and even I had to scratch my head going, wow, really? Australia haven't lost there since 1981. Yeah, since both of them. Don't worry, some of us are still uh, getting Dirty. off the psychologist's couch for, <laughs> for that test match. Um, yeah, look, it's been a happy hunting ground. I just hope we bat and make plenty and make 500 or so, and then who cares if it did rain. Yep. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so, yes, the Australian men's uh, team, by the time this episode goes out, we may actually have a result. So uh, let's hope this time round we're uh, retaining the ashes yeah. and smiling from ear to ear, and next week we can, um, we can party on, that's for sure. Oh. Mate, the Australian women's team uh, losing four out of their last five games, but they only grabbed uh, the game that they needed to to retain the Ashes. Yeah, look, a weird system. I, I'd much rather have another test match there than why why we're considering 2020s hit and giggle cricket, which I, I don't think internationally should be played. That's my own opinion. I, yep. I think it should be only at domestic level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a different, another story again. Yep. Australia were disappointing last night. Yeah, had England two for twelve in the effectively if we won we won the ashes, not just retain. Yes. And then bold average, um unfortunately Talia McGrath dropped a pretty easy court and bold. Mm-hmm. Uh Healy missed a stumping through poor technique. I've I admit I've I've never considered her a great keeper. I think she's yep. a batsman who keeps as well. Yep. I think Jones for England's a far better keeper. Uh, and Sarah Taylor before that was a fantastic keeper. Yep. Kept for uh, played some A grade district cricket out here. Kept for Northern Districts, and some of the Northern Districts old folks think she was just as good, if not better, than Graham and O. So they they rated her yep. massively. And yeah, I and just yeah, then they fell away. And Australia's chase was a bit weird. So to be bowled out for two hundred in the thirty fifth over. So if we batted our overs out, we were going to win. So, yeah, it was yeah, disappointing. So we jumped ahead, obviously, there, talking about last night's game. Yeah. The game before, obviously, Australia retaining the Ashes with 7 for uh, 282. So, yeah. England chasing down with uh, needed six runs off of the last uh, ball, obviously winning by three runs uh, or four runs to tie and then a uh, super over. Um, Australia, their game last night almost reflected that they'd had a, a big night <laughs> two nights earlier after retaining the Ashes. Yeah. It was, it was a little bit of interest level may have just disappeared a little right. bit, but but competitive sports people are going to try and win at all costs. So this is where I was just trying to lead it a little bit. No, I just thought we just didn't play well. Yeah. I don't think in that way. I, I think they were pretty keen to win it. Um, is it a case of the rest of the world try, um, I think catching, catching up? up. Catching yeah, up, are. not they trying are. to catch no up. They are that. catching up. And it was funny. I actually thought for when I reckon... I reckon Gardner needs a big one and got 40 or pretty quick and got run out. Mm-hmm. And who knows what would happen if she hadn't got run out. So obviously Australia getting bowled out for 199, but England uh, 9 for 285, really in control of the match and winning by 69 runs, as we as we talked about. 280-odd was considered a gettable target. It's a small ground there at Taunton. And I know they said that's why you bat second, because yep. you generally win batting second yep. there. 
and we just batted. We just lost too many wickets. You know, Perry got 50-odd off 58. 53 off 58, 58 balls, yeah, and so Gardner got 41 off of 24 yeah. balls. So, um, McGrath got 26 off 39. So a couple of starts I'll, there, but also a couple of failures as well. I think there were six who got double figures, who owned a double figures. So, yeah, disappointing. You just needed a, one of them to get a big score. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to go on and with it. it would have been at least a close finish. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate, uh, we move on. Uh, we talk a little bit of AFL trade talk. Um, the foundations for the Tasmanian first list build are in place with the AFL now looking to finalise the finer details in what the league's 19th club will provide to construct its initial playing group ahead of its uh, entry in 2028. Now, this relates to the trade because there are going to be some models that have worked, some that haven't worked in the past. Where, where do you sort of sit on 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 that as far as do we go down the GWS model, do we go down the Port Adelaide model, do we go down the uh, Gold Coast model? I think GWS were better than what uh, Gold Coast were that mm-hmm. with picking up experience. There's got to be a mixture of experience and, and you know, and youth, does and that mean to get the, it, the the majority of the first rounders? Well, and I think this is what's yeah. been talked about at the moment in not front ending um, too many of those picks to a new franchise on the basis that uh, the teams that are down bottom at that stage take longer to re- regenerate. Yeah. But it's also important that Tasmania is successful. But then again, you don't want to compromise. <laughs> you don't want to compromise it any more than what it already is. Oh, look, I still. Do, I, I still think there's too many teams now, yep. let alone another one. Yeah. Do, um, do they get better value out of, um, say, a, a additional picks inside the top 20, top 30, where they can then on trade those picks for senior players? Senior players. Or, That's or, probably what it will yeah. happen. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, I think we just got to wait. And see. Yeah. But it's interesting that obviously, you know, we're uh, we're only five years away, really, at the end of the day. Uh, they're pre-planning this yeah. now, and obviously the stadium's still a contentious point with a lot of locals down in Tasmania. Yeah, so who knows? So it is a, it's an ever-changing um, target at the moment as far as that goes. Yeah. All right, mate, uh, still on trade talk. We talked about it a little bit earlier. I told you to hold fire. Now it's time to let rip, mate. Uh, Brody Grundy, is he going to be... a more viable option for Port Adelaide or the Adelaide Crows if they I, were to go down that path? I think he's viable for both. I, I couldn't understand him going to Melbourne in terms of Grundy's always been a ruckman, not a forward, a ruckman. And so we've gone with the Grundy-Gorn combination of which both of them, are, everyone's better off as a first ruck. So I, I think he's, I think he's going to be still be in demand. It's it's quite bizarre that you're going to have Collingwood. It'll look like if he does get traded, Collingwood and Melbourne are playing, playing a part, part of his salary. salary. So it's weird. Are we getting down the uh, path of more American sports where players are, are sent to, and even soccer to a certain degree, um, or EPL teams, where part of your salary is paid by two or three clubs that you uh, then end up at? It's potentially going that way. Yeah, no doubt about that. I uh, see Grundy being an advantage to Adelaide more than Port Adelaide a little bit at this stage. Um, but whether Grundy wants to move back to Adelaide, that's uh, or South Australia, I should say, yeah. is uh, still up in the air. I mean, part of going to Melbourne was he wanted to stay in Melbourne. Yeah. So does that, does that then open up, um, say, Carlton's uh, trading options for him or Geelong, uh, as an example, who... 
you know, don't always have a recognised ruckman, or they do, but uh, struggling a little bit as well. And if De Koning leaves Carlton, does Grundy come the equation there? Who, who knows? Let's Correct. wait and see. All right, mate, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Mary Cavey will join us to talk all things soccer, and in particular the World Cup. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. As we mentioned before, uh, we thought that we'd get Mary back on being a soccer aficionado that she is, um, obviously part of the Red Army. Um, but obviously a keen eye over the World Cup, which is uh, starting here this week in Australia. Welcome aboard, Mary. Yeah, welcome, Mary. Happy to be back, guys. How have we been? Too bad. And, of course, there's been some good news in terms of Craig Goodwin this week in terms of uh, you know, Adelaide United focus with a couple of awards. Definitely. Yeah, man of the hour for, for quite a few hours, that one. He's done very well this year. We're, we're stoked. Oh, he's had an incredible year. So, yeah, uh, Obviously, Adelaide United were a little bit disappointing. We seemed to run out of puff there towards the end, but had some momentum but fell away just before the finals and couldn't really recover there, Mary. No, yeah, look, I agree. I think, you know, trying to trying to give some of the young boys a go uh, was good, but maybe wasn't the experience we needed at times. Um, and just some tactical decisions and substitution decisions weren't quite right towards the end, in my opinion. But, hey, it's... Uh, the beauty of this sort of uh, game and league is that there's always another shot at it. So bring on next season. And now, of course, we've opened up for, well, arguably the biggest soccer event ever in the in the country in the women's women's World Cup. Look, it showed yeah. uh, the incredible crowd the other night at the trial game of warm up friendly, friendly, whatever yep. you want to call yep. it, friendly at yep. soccer terms. Um, yeah. yeah, so go for it, Mary. It's you know we eagerly await. Absolutely. That that was just such a good uh, a good lead into the tournament. Um, you know, having over fifty thousand people. Uh, honestly, it brought tears to my eyes. This is this is a dream come true for any women's football fan. Yeah. Know? When I was six, seven years old, the Matildas were you know paying for their own lunches, working yes. full time, trying to trying to make ends meet, raising families, and just having to scrape the bottom of the barrel just to go and represent their country and you know, 20, 30, 40 years later and, and now we are the biggest, holding the biggest tournament in the world for, for women and, and um, it's all right here in our backyard and yeah, it's to have that many fans come out knowing that, I mean, I coach men's amateur football on a Sunday and, and those blokes have got tickets to these games, you know, they're actually flying into state to see England and, and the Matildas and yeah. the teams and it's just insane and it just makes me so, so happy. And- also, as a female side of things, like Sam Kerr is obviously our best our best player at the moment. That's it's got to give a fair bit of pride on a female side of things as yeah, well, Mary. Absolutely, she's such a superstar on and off the pitch. Like she's just so down to earth. She, I love that you know she 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 hasn't changed her hairstyle since she was twelve. You know you you never see <laughs> yeah, her with makeup. True. I mean she she accepts these prestigious awards. She. Holds the flag for for King Charles's coronation. She hasn't got a wick a wink of makeup on her. She's just so authentic and 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 you know she's just living the absolute dream for for little girls and and even little boys. And you know it's um yeah no nah, she's she's just an impeccable role model uh, on and off the pitch. Were, were you surprised 
Um, going back to obviously talking about the game, the friendly the other night, were, were you surprised that it was a sellout or, you know, that it was practically a sellout? No, no, I wasn't. I think, I think, um, it's been Sam coming and, and the rest of them, it's been coming. You know, these girls have worked their, worked their bums off to, to really promote the women's game. You know, they, um, Ellie Carpenter, you know, hugely popular going and playing in France, getting into the Champions League, obviously injuring herself, but you know, these, your Caitlin Ford, your Alana Kennedy's, they're playing in the women's super league over in England. These girls are doing great things all around the world in the biggest leagues in the world. And I think this was naturally going to happen um, because you just can't help but barrack for them. Um, Cause you know how hard they've worked and how, you know, two or three of them have got their little babies in the camps like that, you know, motherhood doesn't stop. So not nah, thoroughly deserved. And, and I'm really, really glad that people have come out and backed it. Absolutely. Obviously, looking over the uh, 2023 World Cup squad, uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of women who have moved overseas for greater opportunities. Is is that something that Australia, um, in general, are, are working to towards to have a Premier League style setup where you know you've got obviously you talked about Sam Kerr being at Chelsea, Caitlin Ford being at Arsenal, mm. um, you know, and and Leicester City and Western Sydney Wanderers is. Uh, being represented, Brisbane Raw being um, represented as well. Is that something that Australia have got to get a little bit better at to attract those players to be at home a little bit more? Yeah, look, you, you'd love to see it, and and um, I think I think we deserve it. But uh, you know, I, I think it's a little ways away to to get anywhere near those those overseas levels. Um, you know, the men's competition here uh, needs a bit of work in places that, as it is, let alone the women's. You know, yeah. they've got a much shorter season. They've got less teams. They're, they're pretty far off the mark. Um, so, you know, the, the finance and the injection of cash is, is pretty way off the mark still. So I think it's I think it's a, a while away, to be honest, to compete. But, um, you know, it's a perfect stepping stone and it's still a, a perfect a perfect. Uh, environment to to grow in this country you know um the women women's women's football I, I started playing when I was seven do you know what I mean that was the early 90s there's a there's a base for little girls to start they can grow you can play in the NPLs here and you're in your home city and then you can aim for the A-League and then you know make your mark in there and get scouted to go overseas and and that's that becomes the next dream and now they're coming back and you know playing a world cup in their own country so it's all fully come you know, full circle for a lot of these girls. And, um, yeah, I, I think, um, like I said, Australia's got a little ways to go to compete with the other leagues, but it, it's it's a brilliant place to be able to watch these girls in the, in the beginning of their careers and, and watch them push on from there. The extraordinary crowd in terms of for the friendly, it actually reminded me of the Crows-Eston Eston, where yeah. the same thing happened at, at the Crows. People are excited. Uh, the week before the Crows where they were expecting yeah. to get five to 10,000 and it was 50,000 at Footy Park back in 91. Yeah, yeah. So it's similar to that. It was an amazing thing. So the bit now, one, we've got to see how Australia goes in the tournament. You know, big first up obviously against Ireland and go from there. But to see what the potential... Um, benefits for the game uh, of women's football is in the country afterwards as well. It's it just be really yeah. interesting to see what growth and you know that side of things there is for the is you know, it, potential sponsorship as well. And you know, let's be honest, a company looking at that, hey, shit, fifty thousand at a trial game, uh, we might jump aboard here. Yeah, 100%. so that, that, you know, there's potential there in so many different areas. Is football Australia ready for that though? 
Oh, and this probably is... would have asked the same question after the after the men's World Cup game when we did yeah. so well. Um, you know, they really had an opportunity to 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 ride that ride that that bandwagon that I we had already to. hitched, and and honestly, I think they kind of kind of stuffed it back then. So I really hope they don't do it again. But um, yeah, look, I I feel like we're sort of witnessing something incredible right now. You know, like this really is the turn of of women's football internationally globally i feel like if you get involved in this it's going to be something that you can say i was there yep. you know and uh, i'm just i hope everybody gets around it and i hope that uh, football australia grab it with both hands because like i said a million times these girls deserve it future generations of girls deserve it and we you know little old adelaide has has five games to get around yes. let alone if you want to just jump on a flight to brisbane or sydney drive yourself to Melbourne. There's so many incredible games that you can get to to really see what what women's football has to offer. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, hope, I think I think we're seeing something spectacular really build. How many well, games on your, your radar yes. to attend, <laughs> Mary? I reckon that was a – Pete and I were oh. both thinking the same all thing of, there. All of them in Adelaide. Uh, we're off to Brisbane this weekend for, uh, for England. And I've also um, already got a gig as a volunteer here in Adelaide. So I'm actually a driver. Um, so I'll be driving around the referees, FIFA execs. Maybe I'll get someone famous from the airport. Um, I, it was it was an instant no brainer for me when they. Uh, and that doesn't they, surprise uh, me, Mary. I reckon you might have put it in the application like six months before we knew Australia got the tournament. So uh, yeah, uh, that's no, awesome, Mary. Well done. Last year, mate. <laughs> well played. What what yeah. uh, what games are you looking forward to? Not only the ones that you're going to, but what what games are you looking forward to seeing um, either on TV or, or visiting? Uh, um, uh, in uh, in person for the World Cup. Um, look, Brazil are full of class. Obviously, long long term, just general and general champions. Um, married an Englishman, and I've got English family myself, so we're we're catching England a couple of times. We're just going to love seeing them. I was gutted when Ellen Ellen White friggin' retired right before the World Cup because she was my favourite player. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'm not going to see her, but um. You know, yeah, I think uh, England pers- just for personal reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, look, I'll, I'll watch anybody, mate. You know me, I um, I, I just I just get around anything women's sport, and um, just I'm just gonna have a, a grin on my face for the next four weeks. All right, Mary, come on, give us your tips. Go, give us uh, where will Australia finish? Where will Australia finish? I think I think if it would be pretty heartbreaking if they didn't at least make the semi. So I'm going to say top four, just yep. with the home ground advantage, with the with the excitement that's built here, with their with their game, their positive games and results that they've that they've got leading up to to the tournament. I think things are just really quite on track for these girls this year. I feel like might not be their year to win it, but I feel like they're going to be right up there in the top three or four uh, in the finish. But it's going to be hard to beat the USA. Um, you know. Yep. This will be their third World Cup if they if they get this one. They've still got the best of the best out there playing for them, um, and uh, and then obviously England. I, I, you know they're going to be my top threes. I think yep. they'll be my picks. You stole my thunder with uh, the USA uh, there, Mary. I, I was going to ask. <laughs> um, you know, is there any big challenges for them, or are they still just that uh, streak ahead at the moment? I, I just yeah, I just feel like they they are a cut above in so many ways. Uh, you know they've. They've got the money, you know. There's never a shortage of, of money and facilities and resources thrown at them. Uh, they've got a brilliant league over there for the girls to play in if they don't want to travel abroad. 
Um, and they've got, you know, it, it's not dissimilar to the Matildas. They've got girls that have been literally, that they'd be in their fourth or fifth World Cup at this point. That's how consistent they've been. Yeah. Um, you don't get that in the men's, you know, and, and especially not Australia because it took us such a long time to get back into that top that top uh, 32. But, yeah, the USA, they, they've got girls that are on to, you know, they've been literally playing for their country for 20-odd years and they're still at the peak of their fitness you know, and and just have everything game plan. They just have completely gelled. But, you know, so I, I think that's why they will be hard to beat. But I, I also feel like Australia have that as well. They've, they've found the right mix of old blood and new blood with this squad. Um, so, you know, this is going to be the best chance we've ever had. Why have USA been so successful in women's football when it's not their main sport on a male side of things? What, what's your theories there? Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is the, is the, just the codes of football and sports that are popular over there. The male demographic, they love their NFL, uh, their NHL, you know, they're, they're really sort of heavy hitting sports. Um, you know, your hockey's and your baseball and your, um, and your footy or football, you know, gridiron type things. And it's, it's no different here that the major codes for, for men and women in the same country can be completely different. You know, you, you guys would easily say the main code, for men in Australia would be AFL, but you know, for women, there's, you know, there's a reason that they, uh, SA NFL W, you know, sorry, I'm not a footy fan, but you know, like yep. the women's SA NFL only, only started yep. a few years ago yep. and you saw an influx of women jumping from round ball to egg ball because that was the first opportunity that they could play at that level. There hadn't been anything that good for them up until that point. They're yeah. playing in the boys' leagues until they were 13, 14. Yep. So they played soccer from a yep. young age because that was the sport that they could go and kick a ball. Yeah. Um, so it, it comes down to opportunity. It comes down to resources, Where what, what codes do well for, for either gender, I suppose. But obviously over in America, the women have always had soccer available yep. no, to them. That's well put. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right, we'll get you out of here on this one this time. Um, <laughs> Australia v Ireland tomorrow night, um, um, Thursday here in Australia. Um, what's your tip, Mary? I, th- I think we'll get them. I think we've had far better preparation. I don't know if you heard in the news, but Ireland's last friendly game uh, against pa- uh, Colombia actually got canned after 20 minutes because Colombia very severely injured one of their girls um, and they actually called it off due to just the physicality of that of that friendly so I feel like that's kind of halted their prep. They haven't gone out on a high. They haven't gone out, you know, now they've got injury concerns. So I think I think Australia will, will get the win. It might not be a huge win, but I'd love to see it. I'd love to see like a 3-1 or a 4-1 yep. just to really kick things off strong. Absolutely. Well, we watched that one with great interest. Once again, once again, Mary, thanks for joining us, uh, talking all things soccer, especially with the World Cup. Uh, we'll have to get you back on when the yeah, business end of the tournament and the A-League starting up for next season. And we've got to get your lovely husband on to talk all things EPO as well. So we've got some good yeah. soccer contacts coming up, I reckon. Yeah, definitely. Anytime, guys. Uh, been a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks Mary. Mary. Take care. Bye. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. We welcome Craig uh, Martin back to uh, the Game On podcast here, uh, all th- talking all things golf, uh, especially with the British Open coming up, mate. 
Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, it's exciting time of the year, probably uh, for all golf fanatics. It's maybe the Masters has it covered, but in terms of the field and uh, the history of the sport, they uh, can't go past the British Open. Yeah, even as a non-golfing fanatic and all that, you, yeah, I'm the Masters one, but yeah, British too. So yeah, it's ironic that you said that with you being a golfing man. So yeah. Well, I think. For an Australian point of view over the years, probably a lot, lot more history with the uh, British Open. We look back to Peter Thompson yep. and uh, even prior to Peter Thompson, but you know, obviously with Greg Norman in Baker Finch, uh, we've had a really good success rate. And obviously Cam Smith winning last year, defending champion. So yeah. um, when you compare that to only one winner with Adam Scott winning the US Masters, it's uh, a happy hunting ground for the, the Aussies. Who knows what might happen this year, but um, take us through, mate. What What's the field looking like, and uh, who have you got your eye on? Well, yeah, I've been in, in contact with a few guys, Cam Smith's coach, and also uh, Ewan Porter, who's the roving reporter um, for the DP World Tour, so I presume he'll be on the Australian coverage. Um, the reports back from over there is they've had a lot of, lot of rain, so traditionally a British Open course has been hard and fast, but um, uh, obviously with the Ashes on as well in Manchester, there's a fair bit of rain. Uh, so the golf course is very lush. Um, it's at Royal uh, Royal Liverpool, which is at Hoylake, uh, which is probably the best way to describe it. It's probably a bit like, uh, let's say, Wollonga to Adelaide. So it's, it's technically okay. part of Liverpool, Liverpool yep. but it's just out, maybe more McLaren Vale type of thing. So, um, yeah, so weather conditions, the golf course, they haven't had the British Open there since 2004. 14. Uh, Rory McIlroy, ironically, he won last week on the Scottish Open, but that was his last major victory ten, uh, nine years ago. Um, so the golf course has had a lot of changes since then. They've uh, lengthened it and changed a lot of holes. Uh, even the 18th hole, for argument's sake, they were hitting five irons into the par five. It's been lengthened by 60 yards, and they've brought brought in the, uh, the angle for out of bounds a lot more difficult. So I think, yeah, it's going to be an interesting event. Um, like any major, the cream will rise to the top. And uh, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's like throwing a dart yeah. predicting golf. Um, I think Australia-wise, Cam will definitely be up there. But um, I, I think a good tip was Minwoo Lee. He's destined to be a superstar. Um, and this event just suits his game. I think I mentioned it in our last podcast. Uh, this suits him perfectly. Conditions, pure ball striker, great putter. Um, but uh, yeah, for the actual event, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Rory goes. Um, he's obviously his performances have been uh, much better in recent times since he's stayed out of the political stuff, and there's yeah. there's probably some reasons behind the scenes for that, which will all come out in due course. But uh, yeah, it's interesting interesting week. Um, you'll probably see the first two days there'll be a bolter, someone an unknown will be leading and go, who who's this guy? Um, but yeah, I think. When it comes to the crunch, it'll be the it'll be Rory and it'll be uh, you know Scotty Scheffler. Um, look out for Xander Shoffley. I think he's due for a major. Colin Morikawa, DJ. I mean, it'll be all the big names will be up there. So um, exciting viewing for everyone. What uh, what are we expecting from Cam Smith? Uh, can he go back to back? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think with Cam, he's, he's such. I mean, last year proved it, and his form's been pretty good. He had a recent win, obviously, on the Live Tour. Uh, I know people think, obviously, that if they're not playing as much, but the Live guys, they're. I mean, they're the best. Some of the best players in the world. So I have no issue with 
you know, not having enough uh, form under his belt, so to speak, but he's recently yep. had a win. Uh, I, I'd be highly surprised if Cam didn't figure. Um, he's too good a player. Like, And just talking to Grant Field on the Instagram chat today, or yes, last night, sorry, um, yeah, he's pretty happy. He's nice and relaxed. Um, he's a pretty laid-back guy, Cam, so... He gets that putter going, and if he can control his driver, and, and so he's not hacking it out of the rough, uh, yeah, he'll certainly be up and figuring it. And what else is happening in the golfing world, Craig? Well, actually, yeah, on a local front, some exciting news yesterday. Uh, it was announced uh, the PGA Tour of Australasia have announced uh, a TPS event coming to Adelaide uh, at Wollonga Golf Course in October. So, okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I went over to Sydney and caddied in one of the events at Bonnie Doon, which was hosted by Braith and Astor, the rugby league player. Um, this event is going to be hosted by Greg Blewett, which is right. fantastic. Yep. Yep. Uh, Bluey, obviously, we all know from cricket. but Yep. Uh, big golf man, Bluey. He hits a pretty good golf ball, I've well, heard. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, he's represented South Australia yeah, in golf. Exactly. So, you know, there's not too many guys who claim to fame can say that they've represented Australia plus their state in other sports. I mean, Craig Bradley comes to mind with cricket and footy and no doubt Malcolm, you'd be aware of others. Uh, but, but Bluey, certainly he's represented South Australia yep. at the highest level in golf, amateur golf, that is. Um, so it's fantastic and still plays off scratch or, or roughly around scratch, yeah. my understanding at Kionga. So um, great bloke, Bluey, and it's fantastic for South Australia. Um you, it's a two hundred thousand dollar event, so you know it's good money. The winner gets kind of uh, you know eighteen percent of that, so you're looking at thirty six grand. Um, and but you will see a good opportunity for the listeners to uh, get down to Wollonga for a day and watch some of the Australia's best. Um, I mean, some of the girls that I've caddied for in the past, and that, that's the other point with it. It's a male and female event. They play off their own tees, but the course is set up so that. Ideally, the boys or the men are hitting an eight iron into a green, um, and then the girls should also be hitting an eight iron into the green. Now, it's a pretty uh, finite uh, art to get that right, and they're always tweaking things, but they're trying to make it as uh, even as possible. Um, Hannah Green, for example, won last year, beat all the boys. And and knowing the girls, they they love it competing against the guys, and the guys don't like being beaten by the girls. So. Ego comes into it, but uh, no, it'll be fantastic and like, uh, yeah, it's a good opportunity for anyone to get there and watch. There'll be no, you know, it's free um, and uh, be a great, great event for four days. Is that is that an event that's sort of come onto the calendar with the population uh, popularity of, you know, live golf and, you know, golf's a bit more in the spotlight that, that some of these tournaments are sort of being fast-tracked? Is that is that sort of how you see it or is that... Just me as the the regular punter seeing it that way. No, I think I think what you'll find is it's all part of the the bigger plan in terms of the tier of golf golf events. You're going to have the worldwide events, which are you know your five to ten million dollar events, but you know they're so hard to get into. So the fantastic thing about the PGA of Australasia is they're bringing in the next tier events. So for your emerging stars, the guys who might have status in Asia or they might be floating in and out of. Um, uh, Europe or or even even maybe on the smaller tours in the US, um, they can come back to Australia and effectively I think we've got about 15 events now on the Australasian calendar between October and March next year. So obviously the two big ones are the Aussie Open and the PGA, but now you've got this next tier event 
um, the TPS series, which are, my understanding is probably about five or six now across, uh, you know, Victoria and New South Wales. There's one in WA and now obviously one in South Australia. So um, you'll get a good quality field. Don't don't worry. I mean, I've caddied for like Grace Kim. Uh, she's won this year on the LPGA Tour. Um, she certainly, if she's in Australia, she would play in those events. Um, golf is a competitive beast. Yeah, it's nice to win all the the millions of dollars, but they, they also, it's an opportunity for them to catch up with their friends and, yeah. uh, and you know, they room together and they, they might hire houses together and it's the social aspect as well as the competitive stuff. So I uh, no, it's just brilliant. And uh, yeah, certainly I know it's been in the, uh, the works, but to hear the announcement, even I'll be honest, I wasn't aware it was happening. So um, it's, it was great to read it yesterday. Mate, we have to ask uh, the live tour and the PGA, uh, is it getting closer to being resolved as part of a uh, one event or uh, one yeah. one tour, and then the tears come from there, or is that uh, still a ways off? No, I think uh, I think if you read between the lines, and I mean it cha- it's changing daily, but I think I mentioned in the last podcast my prediction of being you know the world tour. Uh, I think that's still on on track. There's a lot of uh, laws, uh, not lawsuits, but there's a lot of court cases going on, but. All the commentary that you're reading and the things that are happening, uh, it's all part of the bigger plan. Um, there'll still be the day-to-day operations run by the PGA Tour, um, DP World Tour, Asian Tour, etc. But and the Live Tour, I think you'll find that still going to be some rebranding of names. Um, my prediction of the World Tour, whatever they come up with, that that'll still go to fruition. And there could be three or four different events across the world on any given week. Um, and you know events for the elite and then the next crop um and yeah no i think i think i mean live is here to stay i i mean the, the doomsdays who think it's a flash in the pan um it's quite interesting to see particularly the american public their opinions but they're in for a rude shock yeah absolutely all right mate we'll get you out on get you out of here on this one um mate you've just uh, recently started a new business and you've got a couple of things in the pipeline do you want to share it with our listeners give it a bit of a plug yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, I've uh, obviously always been involved in sport and, and uh, went to uni when I was a teenager and uh, studied recreation planning and management. So, um, yeah, when I went to America back before COVID, that was part of the plan to sort of get into sports management. And uh, um, people who know me basically will say, yeah, I'm pretty well organised and my background's in operations. So uh, I've just launched a business called Know Me Sports, which is spelt G-N-O. ME, so gnome as in garden gnome, but uh, play on words, gnome sports. A little bit of play on words, but also the fact I'm uh, vertically challenged, <laughs> as I always get reminded. <laughs> so am I, mate, so that's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I'm standing up for the little fellas. But, um, yeah, so just doing some interesting work already with some charities. Um, first event coming up, so walk a mile in my boots with the Hutt Street Centre. Um, I'm going to walk from Port Adelaide to Hutt Street on the 11th of August, uh, wearing nothing but uh, football gear at 5am. So I'm in for a cold walk, but the whole idea is to just get a bit of attention um, and uh, raise money for a very, very worthy cause, which unfortunately is becoming more and more required with people, people having tough times. So there's more to come with that. I've got a meeting with Hutt Street this uh, Friday and uh, yeah, looking forward to what comes from that. So uh, to any of your listeners, uh, I've already got the Facebook page, Know Me Sports, um, and the website and all that to follow, but um, also organising uh, a big Port Adelaide night down here at Sailmaster, 31st of August. So to any Port supporters, uh, flick me a 
private message on Nomi Sports and I'll make sure you can come along. Mate, I was going to ask you, but you've already uh, you've told us uh, which footy gear you're going to be wearing. Obviously, the Port Adelaide Power uh, home gear. Yeah, so I'm planning that week to, to actually, I mean, that's the big walk and obviously I don't expect too many people to walk 16Ks with me at 5am, but um, we're going to be organising some, some more um, get get to know me walks is what we're going to call it and uh, anyone can show up. They're going to have five walks throughout that week in various locations across Adelaide. Um, some will be dog friendly, so you bring your dog along and, uh, you know, for the first 20 people that join me, I'll buy them a coffee. Uh, thanks to some very generous uh, sponsors. And, um, yeah, we'll go for a walk, e.g., like Largs Bay to Semaphore, stop for a coffee, walk back, um, all up. Might be about a 4 or 5K walk, but leisurely. Um, I will do Mount Lofty and Morialta and a few others. But, um, yeah, just whole idea is really it's just interesting. I'm back in the hospitality world and you just talk to people and everyone's got a story. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Whether you, whether you, whether you're talking sport or you're just talking life in general, it's quite interesting. Just ask a few questions to people, and what you find out is amazing. So, all right, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us once again, and um, and we look forward to obviously keeping track of uh, what you're doing as far as uh, business and and charities yeah, go. And obviously, sure. we'll, we'll touch base with you uh, regarding uh, the next round of golf to- tournaments that are happening around the world. No worries, and uh, look forward to the sleepless nights and the next few nights with all the sport from Europe. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Absolutely. And uh, go the Aussies. Yeah. Cheers, yes. guys. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, mate. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy Days. Right, uh, we kick off happy days today with happy birthday to Tariq Newchurch, uh, Adelaide Crows, drafted in 2020 from North Adelaide. Has yet to play uh, or register a game uh, in the AFL side, but five foot eleven forward, uh, hard for him to break into the Adelaide forward line at the moment. Um, I'm excited to see if and when he does come in, well, he whether may, he's a bit of a spark. He may play this week for, since Rochelle's out, but I I've still got big question marks about him defensively and. I think that's where Adelaide are yeah. at at the moment as well with him. Yeah, so let's wait and see. But there, I think he either plays this week or probably doesn't end up playing an AFL game. So, yeah. Big big call. Um, as I said, I'm excited to see him at the AFL level. Sometimes players can uh, act up or mm. play better uh, at the higher level rather than uh, the SNFL level. But like you said, the, the mail is that sometimes a little bit of his defensive skills. Oh, I've watched enough. But you trade some of that off for some of his mercurial skills as well, but Depends on what Adelaide are looking for, that's for sure. They keep playing Murphy, and that's the reason he plays. Well, I think there's a worry there. Yeah, I think Murphy is ridiculous. Yep. I can't believe it. We'll talk about that one a little bit later. All right, this week in 1984, uh, tennis, uh, 22nd Federation Women's Tennis in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Czech player Handler Manlikova and Helena Sokova beat Australia's Elizabeth Sayers and Wendy Turnbull 6-2, 6-2 for a 2-1 victory. Yeah, so it wasn't really a close match either, was it? Yeah, just a bit too good. The old uh, Hana, uh, she was she was a very good player, Hana Hana Manikova. Manikova, yep. Um, obviously, the beauty about Fed Cup and Davis Cup and a lot of those sort of tournaments is that you are playing on someone's home soil, um, even though the players travel around quite a bit. Um, but uh, on this occasion, they were a little too good. All right, we move on. Um, 
2012 golf, British Open. We thought we'd bring this one up yes. with Craig obviously being on the show tonight. Men's golf at Royal Latham in St. Anne's. Uh, South African Ernie Els wins his second Claret Jug. One stroke ahead of runner-up Adam Scott of Australia. Yeah, I do remember watching that, obviously barracking for Adam at the end, but Ernie just got over the line. So, yeah, um, very good player, Ernie. He was pretty well respected, obviously. So Adam yeah. Scott, obviously in form, uh, yeah. being runner-up in, um, in 2012. Yeah, so he was around the mark. I'd like to see him up there again with uh, Cam Smith uh, coming up as well. So, uh, fingers crossed. Uh, this week in 2019, we talk about money in sport, but the NFL Dallas Cowboys named the most valuable sports team in the world with a worth of $5 billion. Uh, MLB New York Yankees sitting in second at $4.6 billion. Rio Madrid sitting in third at $4.2 billion, according to Forbes. This is back in 2019. Obviously, Debbie does. Dallas did, had it, it was, was worth billions. Yeah, extraordinary. Oh, look, the Cowboys yeah. team has always been referred to as America's team, yeah. so you can see why they are pretty popular. I was actually quite surprised that uh, Rio Madrid, um, for all of their uh, publicity and, and population and everybody loves them, that they're sitting in third spot. Interesting to know where Man United fit into the equation. Mm. Might have to do a bit more research yeah. on for that, yeah. and I'll get back to you on that one next week. And to finish us off, considering we're talking cricket as well tonight, that in 2002, it was the last first class, uh, last day of first class cricket for Sir Ian Botham. Incredible player. Um, Ian, Ian, both Ian's chapel and Botham don't cover themselves with glory with that two-year-old crap. Um, certain blonde-haired Victorian all-rounder who was ended up separating them and did play cricket for Woodville his uh, line to me was they were both carrying on like two-year-olds and was pathetic. And, uh, yep. yeah, on that, look, but both are one of the all-time greats. Incredible what he did in 81. There's, you know, those of us still remember that series. Yep. Well, I was only 18 then, and just that's still so vivid. Yep. Where someone just came in and won through Brearley's guidance and yep. both of them won the Ashes single-handedly. It was incredible. Definitely up there in that uh, Mount Rushmore of players oh. that we talk about. I actually heard that another radio station had uh, used some of our content with yeah. uh, with that, which was a bit of a feather in the cap. But um, uh, definitely as far as cricketers go, uh, he is regarded as one of the all-time greats for sure. Yes, no, certainly a champion. Did play for Queensland as well. Um, that didn't end gloriously either, but we probably uh, will leave that one alone. We will. All right, let's scoot into the Extra Time Big Finish. Extra time, big finish. All right, we come back to the AFL uh, reserves comp. Um, we didn't mention it a little bit earlier on. I wanted to leave it till now. Uh, do we see that reserves comp coming in in the next two to three years? Oh, it's inevitable of it. Inevitable. I, I still. Don't get it that it was going to happen years ago now. I'm, I'm trying to remember because that's when Brett Hand was at GWS and mm-hmm. it was coming. So, yeah, uh, and then COVID obviously occurred. It will happen. Good thing or a bad thing? Oh, mixed on it. You know, I, I think it's just got to happen, though, I, for the progression of the game. Where does that leave comps like the SNFL, the Waffle, the VFL? Oh, look, they're stuck, they're stuck between the Blue Sea as it is, like, and, you know, it was a real worry at Woodville on on Saturday that looking around, one, 
I think they declared the crowd at fourteen hundred. I, I reckon it's pretty can, generous. Yeah, I think they did a Tasmanian counted our heads twice, mm-hmm. and the average age there was certainly around my age minimum. Yep. Um. So it is. It's yeah. Do state leagues need to get a little bit creative with when and how they're playing these games on the basis that uh, you know the AFL is going to have a reserves comp, you can't be competing all the time in those time slots. I mean, you have a look at some of those SNFL games. They're, I think playing, reserves, they're being played when a lot of it's being played. I, they've got to do. I think AFLW were, it was ridiculous to change their season. Yes. That's when SNFL's got to start. Yep. So the big bash after the end of the 872 games each, yep. and we're all crying out for something in yep. February, February, bang, yep. SNFL. Yep. And I think... You know, night games at Nord, double headers. Yep. I think they've got to think outside the square. And this is what I'm allu- alluding lot, to. A lot more proactive. Look, I, I, I'm disappointed that the SNFL clubs don't do more. Look, Nordport, Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, why not have made that club day and given a truckload of tickets out to each club in the area? I think this clubs have just got to be better, mm-hmm. you know. And that's part of the reason why All I wanted to bring it up is that if an AFL reserves comp comes in, it is going to be uh, you know with teams removed from the waffle and, and the SNFL yeah. and the VFL. Uh, how do they somehow change that? And you're right, they need to be a lot more proactive. And hence the reason why I bring up that: do they have to change some of these time slots? Oh, do they get have to to pie and party nights? Try and get the kids along. Yep. I, I think there's a lot more things can be done. Yep what are being done at the Community moment. engagement's huge. Yep. All right, uh, the AFLW, uh, you did mention it just yep. then, that uh, the draw has been released, and lo and behold, round number one, we've got a showdown, Adelaide v Port Adelaide at Nord Oval. Yeah, I think it's quite sensible. Like, people are saying, why isn't that at Adelaide Oval? Well, you've had the crowds dropping off, the TV ratings dropping off. I think it would have been a big risk. You played that at Adelaide Oval, and you get... Five or six thousand there, so you played an empty Adelaide Oval. Will you play at Nord? It'll be close to a sellout at Nord. Yep, lot better atmosphere. I think that was just a smart decision. But I think the uh, AFLW product is based around getting back to local suburban clubs, and and that has been their strength, and is what has allowed those clubs to um, uh, thrive with new membership. With people using the facilities, uh, bar takings, canteen takings, membership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't be changing lanes if that makes sense. I mean, how good would it be? Yeah, all right, Adelaide don't have a home ground, so to speak, at the moment, and obviously they're trying to work on Thebiton for that. But Norwood has been their home game for for all of their... um, Unley. Uh, Unley as well, and and some at Glenelg and and the occasional one at, at South Adelaide and so on and so on. But they've made it. Uh, suburban grounds uh, the, in the um, uh, Victorian sides have generally used Punt Road and and down yeah. at the Western Bulldogs Vic and Park. and Vic Park and so on and so on. So don't change that format just because you've got two teams. Make it a uh, an event and a hard ticket to get. Yeah, and look, I just think the close in at get some atmosphere. Um, and the the other thing too, the people who are criticising women's football aren't seeing the overall picture that it's saving community clubs. It's saving country clubs. Yep. Uh, and that's it, – it, it had it's a weird competition because we've had to start at the top and work its way down, not 
ideally, of course, it would have been the other way around, yep. but it couldn't be done the that old, way. The old pyramid scheme. So, yep. you know, I just think, I think it's built too quick. I, I think they've gone a bit too quick with the yep. teams in and there's not enough quality. But Unfortunately, the the beast started growing pretty quickly yeah. and it, it grew out of control and they had to do something to, yeah. to do it. So, You're right with adding probably a couple of teams a little bit earlier than they needed to and then obviously two years down the track adding another couple of teams. They're trying to be fair and equitable to every club as well, so totally understand that. But isn't it great that uh, the AFLW is now a massive part of local suburban clubs and also yeah. filtering down to you know junior clubs? It is. Clubs. I just still think it's lunacy that you start a competition just after your main competition is finished. Now, we don't go to the movies yep. and, the be- and the movie finish and then sit around and watch cartoons, whatever, yep. for a couple of hours. I think it's just... So dumb where they move the seasons. I will never understand that. I'll, I'll bring out my restaurant, uh, uh, well, chefing is that you want to provide the entree to the main course. Yeah. And you're right. By having it in that early period in uh, February, uh, January, late January, early February, leading into the season, oh. certainly makes sense that it just sort of wets, wets everybody's appetite uh, that they can go forward with it. And there's been a fair few of us, Mark Robinson, uh, and that have been saying for ages that that's when the SNFL's got to start. I, I, I honestly think Rob and I first were talking about that nearly 10 years ago now. Yep. So, yeah. Interesting. All right, AFL, we have a little bit of fun each week with uh, trade, resign, and retire. Lockie Neal, Tom Mitchell, or Rory Laird? Well, you're gonna, it's obviously Lockie Neal for the resign. Yes. The other two, you debate. Purely, purely because you, I, I don't think, I, I don't reckon they're three great choices there, Pete. This week. Well, but, but I had to make you think, mate. Come yeah, on, I've got to give you something yeah. to think about. Resign Rory Laird, retire Tom Mitchell. If I've got to, but I, mean, I could have named three players from a bottom team, and you'd have said exactly the yeah, same thing. So, yeah. so sorry, uh, Lockie Neal, you're resigning. Yes, and uh, trading Rory Laird. Yes, which. In some ways, you could still understand and retiring Tom Mitchell. Fair call. Uh, Tom Mitchell playing a bit more of a role at, at Collingwood. Yeah, he is. No, and he's that's, an important player for yeah. Collingwood. Yep. He's, he's helped their clearance numbers. So he he's a vital player at the Pies. Do you sort of liken him a little bit to what Matty Crouch could do for the Crows? Potentially? I, I think he could. And I don't get where... I don't get where Adelaide haven't put Laird back to halfback and play Crouch in the middle. But anyway... They're obviously seeing something, trying something, which is fair enough. Uh, can't can't uh, disagree with you, mate. That'd probably be my three ways of doing it as well. All right, Com Games, huge announcement. Victoria pulling the pin on the Com Games at a little bit of a late stage it, on the basis that it's going to cost them seven to eight billion dollars, which seems ridiculously high. I th- I think it's a smart decision. You, you've got to sit there at the moment. I think sports got to get a bit more intelligent instead of this bidding for the Olympics and all that. I think the Olympics, you can argue, do you still have the Com Games? Is it is it past that's used by date as it is? Yep. But have it in one place. Well, that was Build going to be my place. next question, is that could a, uh, a government here in Australia, considering we probably have the land to do it, uh, uh, compared to some other Commonwealth nations uh, and, the, and the facilities and the infrastructure to be able to do it, does the government go, you know what, we're going to build this facility and make it the home of sport for hockey, 
the home of sport for swimming, the home of sport for um, lawn bowls, uh, the home of sport for for um, uh, so- cycling. You know what I mean? I I, I just see great. that as a good advantage. But how do you how do you actually do it? Great by theory. Yep. But I think purely have a look at the numbers and cost. You know, with the hospital costs. You know what. Even just South Australia as an example, what we pay for the RAH each day and things, mm-hmm. things like that, I, you know, money doesn't actually grow on trees. So I, I think out of that, I totally understand that, know, and I, I'm probably coming along the point of view of uh, fairy godmother saying, yeah. look, if if we can put it in one spot and we can pay for it in one spot, um, or you could potentially again thinking outside the square is that each Commonwealth nation puts in a certain amount of money to have that home. Uh, stadium or sorry, not home stadium. That um, central station where everybody comes every four years to participate in those sports. You could almost argue, and again, it's out of le- it's out of left field. But you could argue that so does Australia set up a super velodrome? Yep. So that the cycling's here. Does Britain set up the yes. the big stadium? So the or the big swimming centre? So yes. the swimming's there. Yep. And the athletics are somewhere else, you know. Yep. So each country has their own, own specific sport. Yep. Could you have therefore five yeah. or six countries? Yep. Have just that area, and you go for that, and it's yeah. called the Com Games altogether, but where it's really individual sports. Maybe that's the way to try and. Otherwise, I do think the costs aren't going down. No. And you can see, you can virtually see every country going. Oh, hang on, one country's pulled out. That's now given us a thing that we can pull out. Yes. Can we go, nah, it's too expensive. You know, you'd be sitting there at the moment with Brisbane for the 2032 Olympics yep. going, geez, what's the cost going to be here? Could this cripple the state? So maybe they've just got to get smarter. Yeah. I mean, we know cost of living is a problem. Yeah. We know that hospitals are a problem. We know schools are a problem. We know the roads are a problem. They're yeah. pothole city. Uh, totally understand from a financial point of view that Melbourne pulling out of it, but I think that the, the way that they wanted to do it in taking it to the regions was probably where the cost did blow out the most. Yeah, so theory it seemed all right, but then the cost kept going up and up. And yep. like, yeah, again, likewise with you, we're looking and going, how, how have we come up with seven or eight yeah. billion? Yep. You know, do we just toss a coin and that's what it's supposedly it's added up to? Yeah. For me, that still seems obscenely high. Could it also be a case that Australia then looks at hosting the Commonwealth Games, but they are splitting it up between states, potentially? Maybe, and doing it on that basis. Yes. Therefore, that event's there. Yeah. That's a potential. Yeah. Peter Malinowskis came out pretty quickly and said, look, not for us. We've got our eggs in a couple of other baskets. Yeah. I think it's a fair call. Yep, yep. All right, mate, uh, like we do each week, uh, or we've started to do each week, the good, the bad, the ugly. You're good for this week? Oh, gee. Melbourne's comeback in terms of was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could say on the bad, you could argue that it was bad by Brisbane tactically. Um, ugly. Stuart, Stuart G, the, there's going to be no afternoon tea left if he's if he's at the Australian <laughs> side for for the yeah just trying to think with a bit of fun. No, of course. Um, yeah, look, I think probably the tennis this week. You've got to go. It was great to see a new, two new champions, male and sport, male and female. Yep. You can argue that's probably the good bit of the week. Yep. Um, 
So, yeah, I'll go along those lines. Fair call. Uh, my good for the week is uh, Australia women um, retaining the Ashes. Probably yeah. fits in a bit with the ugly that, you know, that they weren't um, convincing no. with their victory uh, and did play a little bit ugly. I think um, if you wanted to add another little bit of an ugly fact in there, there's probably the, uh, the state of some of the um, local football going around. Um, hopefully that'll start to improve with the weather starting to improve. Um, and the bad for this week was probably again the fact that uh, we're uh, we're we're still jumping on who's going to be coaching, who's going to be doing what f- uh, for coaches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So uh, very very important there. Yep. So you know that that's sort of where we're at with that. All right, mate. Uh, as per usual, it's been a huge episode. Um, we will endeavour to do better next time. Um, as per usual, we promise to do better. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.